0: What have I done? This could not be me. I did not do this. Like the internet has to be out in all of Pikeville. So I text Matt, uh, who's you know one of our members here at church and uh, works for Eastern Telephone, which is our internet company. I says like, hey, your all's internet's out in Pikeville. You got an outage. Is something going on? And a few minutes he texts me back. He's like, I'm not seeing anything else. Everybody else's internet's working. I'm going, oh no. And I said. I I did try to move some things around. (laughs) I might have messed it up. I might have broken everything. And so I sent him this picture. He said, did you touch the yellow cords? Cables. And I went, "Uh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I did. He said, well, those um, connect everything. I thought it didn't matter because the thing on the left is like for." your phone system, and we don't even have a phone system, I thought, well, I can unplug that, it doesn't matter. Turns out the internet, everything was being powered by that little box that is the phone system, and I'd unplugged it. And so as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about how many times, just like we started asking the question, why can't I get this TV to work? Why can't I get my laptop to work? Why is the internet not working, the Wi-Fi not working, the plugs aren't working, nothing is working? We begin to ask sometimes, why? Am I struggling? Why am I not growing spiritually? Why do I still struggle in my daily walk with Christ? Why am I so easily distracted, discouraged, and just quite honestly get distraught when things don't go as planned? As I was reading this message, we're going to get to the verses in a minute in Hebrews chapter 10. I I began to realize that it is so easy for us to find things in our life that we think don't matter. That we think are like the yellow cables. And we realize we've disconnected ourselves from the main power source. Okay? That there are things in your life that we begin to think, that's not important. And other things begin to take priority and we realize that this spiritual fellowship, and I'm not just talking about going to church on Sunday morning. I'm not saying, oh, it's been hard because, uh, because of COVID and we, we were all, you know, isolated. What I'm saying is before COVID, we were connected but isolated. All right? I'm going to take you back before that. I'm going to say this is not just uh, the result of COVID, okay? that there are so many times we are connected. Our culture is really like, especially with social media, like we got thousands of friends, but nobody to call. And we find in the Bible um, a Greek word called koinonia. Y'all love that word? Adam mentioned it briefly. Last week, it's, uh, it's the word translated many times as partnership, participation, sharing, uh, fellowship. It's about biblical community. The, the New English Bible translates it, sharing a common life. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's that Greek word. Quinonia. And you all know the word fellowship. I mean, if you grew up in eastern Kentucky, y'all have been to a fellowship hall, haven't you? Eating some fried chicken, chicken and dumplings, right? We have fellowship halls all around us. But we find that biblical fellowship, we're going to look at it today, how do we make sure that relationships are real and authentic and growing us spiritually and not just eating fried chicken and drinking coffee, okay? Because that's what we get tempted to think about fellowship. We got fellowship in the name of our church. It's not we're not part of a denomination. It was literally just something that birthed out of us at the beginning. And, and, and I was preaching through the book of Acts when we started this church. And in Acts chapter 2, we find the first time this Greek word shows up when it says, and after the day of Pentecost and thousands have been saved, it said they dedicated themselves to three things, teaching, prayer, and fellowship with one another. It says they broke bread daily with one another. Um, and so we find that over the last few months, or over the last few months, and last week specifically as I've been studying this, is that both our relationship with God is a foundation to this community, but it is also the goal of this community. All right? We cannot grow spiritually on our On. all right, you got to have somebody, this morning we're we're really going to talk about an intimate relationship, we're not going to talk about like we need to get 20 people together, this is like one to two, three close friends, relationships you need to have that we're going to talk about uh, this morning, Um, and we find the authentic community is transformational, like it is what changes people's lives, it's how people know we're real, all right, the, the word one another, the Greek word for that, guess how many times it appears in the New Testament? A hundred. One another, all kinds of commands. I've got them all listed here. Love one another appears 16 times, but we're supposed to build up one another, accept one another, admonish, care for, serve, forgive, be patient, speak truth, be kind and compassionate to, speak to one another. But Jesus also, I've given you a new commandment to love one another. It says, by that way, you will, people will know that you are my disciples. That our relationships with one another are critically important in how we witness Christ to our neighbor. What is not transformational is a community of fake people. <laughs> All right? People who come together and pretend like everything's okay like we're fine, like we have it all together, where we put on self-righteousness and we pretend like we're good because we came here, where we're never vulnerable with anyone, where we pretend we've never made a mistake, where we pretend like our heart's not broken, where we pretend like we've not been hurt, where we pretend, I mean, all these things, right? Right? We are tempted to be fake. I want us to avoid that temptation. I want us to resolve as a congregation to say, going forward, we are not going to be connected, but isolated. We're going to learn how to deal with that this morning. Romans 12, 4 through 5, this is a verse that Adam used last week. It says, we are members one of another. And so we're going to learn, what does this mean? What does this community look like? And why is it different than the Rotary Club or the Country Club or, or uh, you know, uh, the club down the street, Kiwanis, or, uh, uh, or the ball team or the, you know, whatever it is. Why is this different? And so let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25. All right, we're going to look at four verses this morning. Uh, really spending most of our time applying 24 and 25 but I want us to get there's four principles here there's four important things that I want us to see let's wait a second I'm gonna go back to that let's read 22 through 23 Hebrews chapter 10 verses 22 through 23 let us draw near to God with a sincere heart And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Verses 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Y'all may be familiar with the King James version that forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. The last part of verse 25 says because the day is coming near. Like this is important because Christ is coming back. Like the most important things in life are the things that have an eternal impact. So this message is all about lettuce, right? There's four lettuces here. Right? He talks about what y'all didn't see it, you didn't hear it and this is in the scripture. See so this will help you remember it. There's four lettuces here. These are the principles and we're going to talk about how do we apply this? what do we do with it? Let us draw near. Like, this is, this is the principle. This is what, this is what writer of Hebrews is telling us. Let us draw near to God. This is, this is a big deal what he's saying right here. Because right before these verses, he said, you know what? Here's what the people, the Jewish people in the Old Testament and before Jesus came had to do. If only one person could be in the presence of God, and that was the high priest. That was in the temple. The holiest of holies had to go behind this curtain. And everybody had to wait on the outside while the high priest went in the presence of God. And the writer of Hebrews has just said, "No more. Hey, you don't have to wait on that guy. You can go right in." It says, "Draw near. Walk into the presence of God." And here's the first principle I want you to take from this: is our relationship with each other. It's unique. It's different than every other club, every other thing you're a member of, uh, because of our relationship with God. This is where it starts. This is supernatural. This is not an activity. It's a real relationship. We all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Once you give your life to God, you become part of a community and a relationship with people you don't even like. I mean, there's one honest person. (laughs) Okay? There's an objective relationship. Like, yes, that's my brother, my sister, that's my family. And then there's the other part of the experience of relationship. Like, It's subjective. It's like it's not a good relationship. It's a bad relationship. It's good. It's bad. But I want to tell you there's an absolute fact that every believer on the globe is part of a supernatural community. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. That's a powerful thing. That makes it different. That makes us different. He says that this should be sincere. It says we should draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance, not half-heartedly, not with the wrong motives, not with pretense that we're just going to put on a show and pretend like we're close. He says, I want you to get honest. I want you to be sincere, accept your brokenness, and come to God's presence with full assurance. You know what full assurance is. Y'all ever done trust falls? Rosie used to get me doing them all the time. She called them truth falls for a long time, you know, she there, She said, let's do a truth fall. And I'd say, trust fall. (laughs) She said, whatever, let's do it. And she was standing there, right? And somebody gets behind you, and you just got to, like, fall straight backward. right? Here's what we like to do. (laughs) Right? Like you're constantly trying to catch yourself. Like it would take her so long. It would take her so long to finally, I'd be like, I'm seriously, I'm going to catch you. And see, we struggle with that ourselves. We constantly, we we, we start to trust God and be like, oh, I got to make my own money. I got to make my own way. I got to fix my own problem. Yeah, I'll trust God, but I got to put this foot out just in case He doesn't show up. God will always show up. Like he, He is saying, I want you to just forget you even have feet and fall and trust me with this full assurance. Come into my presence. What a powerful little principle he's saying. the Draw near to God. And then he says, let us hold on. We find the second principle that our relationship with God will come under attack. Why would he say hold on? <laughs> right, why, is he, why is he saying hold on to the hope you found when you professed your faith? Like intentionally, hold on to that. Don't let it go. Yes, God's going to hold on to you, but you've got a responsibility to hold on to him too. Why? Because we come under attack. Our relationship comes under attack. Circumstances, trials, temptations, you'll doubt that God is able to do all that he said he can do. Worldly temptations, you'll be tempted to return to your old ways, your old friends, your old places. You'll be tempted to just join in with the world and get all excited about material things and position and power and wealth and and status symbols? For women, you'll be tempted to think, man, my skin's got to be perfect, my hair's got to be perfect, i got to have all these things that, that bring value, and that's the only way. Let me tell you, you can add, in God's eyes, you can add no value to yourself. Men, we'll, we'll want to just have, a, a, you know, the next position, the more money, power. We'll, we'll want to have the bigger truck. We will be tempted to join the culture of this world. He says, we've got to hold on. The third thing he says, let us consider how. The Greek word for consider meant pay attention. Oh, man, that one's tough. Pay attention. To your neighbor, why is that tough? Because we're tempted to do really two things. One, uh, well, we're, we're, we'll pay attention to the wrong things. That's the principle. The writer of Hebrews knew that. Like these people will get distracted. They're gonna pay attention to the wrong things. We either won't pay attention to our brother and sister in Christ at all. Like we don't even know that they're having a hard time. You know, we're so focused on our own life and world and progress and, and, and you know, the, the, the agendas and the calendar and all the stuff we got to do. And we won't even know that they're having a hard time. Or we'll be tempted to pay attention in the wrong way. Like, the only thing we do is, like, we kind of relish when they're in a mess. Right? And we just can't wait to tell people about it. And we can't wait to judge them about it. And we can't wait to point out their faults and their failures and say, well, if it was me and what she ought to do and what he ought to do and this, this, this. And we pay attention in the wrong ways because he follows this up. with, says, consider how you should stir up one another, not to discouragement, but to love and good works. Somebody here needs stirred up. Okay. Everybody here needs stirred up. All right, you see, Bethany and I as your pastors, we cannot stir every single person in here. This is why it says you should consider how you could stir one another (laughs) to love and good works and to encourage one another. That word for consider means to give attention to, fix our attention upon, continuous care, to watch over, not like that was that neighbor, Mrs. Kravitz. Yeah, not like her. <laughs> not like her. Not pay uh, continuous attention, watch over, but literally care about what people are going through. The fourth thing he says is, let us get together, basically. He says, don't forsake yourselves from assembling together. That doesn't just mean Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Uh, there's a deeper relationship that he's talking about there that you can encourage one another. All right? Um, and it's not just over coffee. It's about a spiritual depth, and that's what we're going to talk about as we begin to close this out. So how do I do this? How do I make sure my relationships are authentic, are real, that they are not just talking about, you know, the weather and sports and kids, all right? And so we're going to talk about four things. I said three things in the notes when I shared yesterday, and we found a fourth one, so you're getting it, all right? No extra charge. Four things. These are real things applicable to look at your relationships. How do we have spiritual community, spiritual fellowship with somebody? And again, this is not, you can't do this with 15 people. All right? There there are certain things that, you know, you don't want to be the person that everybody walks up to and they say, How are you doing? And you say, Terrible to every person you meet. Let me tell you about what happened to me as a kid. All right? That's not for everybody, but it's not for just you. You need somebody to bear your burdens with, okay, to share some things with. So how do we do this? In this friendship, and some of you all got great friends, uh, and, and, and you say, I got a good friend, and so I'm just want to help you figure that out. Some of you say, I don't have a friend. I don't have somebody to call, and you got to help. you gotta you got to literally try to find somebody. You need somebody. And when you see this, that in order for you to grow spiritually and mature, it takes communion, uh, like intimate communication with another part of the body of Christ. Because you're not just a member of a club. You're a member of an active body. You are part of the body of Christ, and he's doing things. All right? So you got to talk to somebody. First thing is uh, be Bible-centered. What does that mean? You should be able to instruct one another, teach one another, it says in Colossians 3.16. What I'm talking about is when you get together and talk with a close friend, there should be a time, there should be a a place for you you to share some things that you're learning about God in your own study of the Bible. All right, This conversation at its core, and I'm going to tell you, I've went a lot of years without having this in my life. In the last six months, I've got some friends where we've started like in a very informal type of way, just like sharing some things that we're going through, being honest about the doubts we have, the fears we're facing, sharing what God is teaching us in his word. And it has like, my faith is like going, y'all better watch out. And so it should be Bible-centered. And this is a real easy question we we'll say, what can I share with somebody? This is the question. What has God been teaching you recently? And you may say, and this cannot be the sermon from Sunday morning. Okay? It may be part of that, but maybe it's not just about the Bible, but it's how God is applying it and using it in your life. Like if some of you say, well, God's not teaching me anything because I've not read my Bible in three months. All right, so let's go back a step. You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be letting God teach you some things. Okay, what's God teaching me right now? This last uh, week or two, may I have been going to Ephesians 3.20. Where he says, Now to the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. You see, in the last few weeks, God's answered prayers I never thought would ever be answered I've preached on that passage of scripture and man I believed it but I hadn't lived it yet and all of a sudden I'm in the middle of this and I'm going oh my god you like you didn't just say that you meant it and I'm seeing it play out in my life and then it so I see these things that i would given up on I hadn't prayed for anymore it's like that'll never happen that's I wish it would but God we got to focus on the stuff you can do Are you there? You ever been there? We're like, that's just a thing I have accepted. And God has taught me don't accept anything. Don't ever think I can't. Just because I haven't doesn't mean I can't. All right? And so with your friend, you just be ready to share what is God teaching you right now in this moment. Just share that with them. And, you know, this is hard to do sometimes because it means we're learning and growing and we're admitting that we didn't know everything. I mean, that's a good step to say, yeah, I don't have it all figured out. But this is what God is teaching me right now. The second thing is be prayerful in these relationships. And, you know, I've just noticed in being in church all my life, we tend to be prayerful about physical Things. Okay? Man, God's put this on me this week. Like, we pray when somebody gets sick, we pray when we're scared we're going to die, and we pray for them to not die, and we pray to not have a sickness and and so i've started like this just these last few weeks like we've been getting these prayer requests i'm like man that's a real prayer request right there cuz what god wants us to be hungry for is for people to have spiritual life like the, the, the very fact that we get so wrapped up and wanted to stay in this world forever and not have any ailment in this body and we have no like brokenness about the family member who's turned away from God. And they text me and said, I got this family member. I think they're close to coming back to God. Will you pray? Oh, man, I'm like, I'm all in on that one. Like, I'm feeling God all over me. And they're talking about their son, and they need, they need prayer. I'm like, I'm in on that. And then people pray and say, you know, messaging us and saying, you know what? My husband, my spouse is having an affair. I'm scared to death. Uh, I'm doubting God. I need you to fight the devil with me. These are not things we are going to call through on the prayer chain. But you need somebody to bear those burdens with. To be honest with, to share with. James 5:16 says pray for one another. Prayer requests like I'm depressed, I can't eat, I've not eaten in days. Real in these relationships, be accountable. Um, Colossians three sixteen says, Admonish one another. Ephesians five twenty one says, Submit. one another like in these relationships this is the place where you can say you know what i'm just really like like money i'm real tempted to be obsessed with it like i'm real tempted to get distracted and say how much am i going to make this week i'm real tempted to like look at my bank account more than i look at my bible i'm 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 real i'm real tempted uh uh, by, by power or, or, or drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it might be, that you can be honest in that conversation with that person and say, this bear this with me. I, I'm submitting to you. And, and next time we're together, ask me about it. Like if I know when we're coming back together, you say, well, how much did you look at your bank account this week? When, if I know that question is coming from a friend that truly cares about my spiritual welfare, it's a help. We submit to one another, we admonish one another, and we support one another. The fourth thing is be open. James 5.16 also says, confess your sins, your faults. One to another. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. The thing you've carried for so long by yourself, that you've been embarrassed of, that you think, I know if anybody really knew that, they would not love me. They would not care. Let me tell you, that is a lie. And it's sources of the devil. And your real family, your supernatural family. Let me tell you, when you say stuff like that, they're going to say, me too, or here's my thing. And they're going to care, and they're going to love you through it. They're going to care for you through it. They're not going to judge you. They're going to pour grace upon you, and they're going to stir you to the love and good works and encourage you. Well, you might say, how do I do this? How do I, how do I, how, man, I got like, have you seen my calendar? <laughs> Who's saying that right now? Like, are you saying, like, I have to meet with people? Like, I have to have dinner or lunch or, like, how, how do I do this? And here's what I'm saying. We are busy enough. Okay? What I'm saying is the, the reason you are feeling worn out and, dis, and, 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 and at the end of your rope and distraught is because you've unplugged the yellow cords. Okay, and that, the, the, the the connection we have to God to grow in our faith that comes from one another, that is disconnected. I'm not accusing you as an individual. This is a, an epidemic of the church. All right. This was not just the result of COVID. This is us getting in the mindset that fellowship happens when we eat a sausage McMuffin on Sunday morning. And we've started holding things close and we're putting on a front. Um, so here, here's what I'm saying is like, like I've always said about a budget, and the same thing about your schedule. If you want to find out about your real priorities, okay, I mean, I worked for a nonprofit organization where we were always asking for money, right? And the, the thing you know, like the, and I've also been asked as that organization for a lot of money a lot of different times, right? And so when you ask for money and they say it's not in the budget, like that means this is not a priority because you got a budget. You're spending money on some stuff and you could spend money on this. But, and so I would be thinking, how do I make sure they see this as a priority? Like this is the most important thing. And so if you want to see what your priorities are, look at your budget, look at your count. And what I'm saying is there's some things that, 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 that you thought were important, like the blue cords and the black cords and that one black cord on the end that I thought was important, that actually were not as important as the ones I had unplugged. Truth is, me and Bethany are terrible at this. We're introverts. Like, I'm borderline. I'm, like, this side of introvert. Like, I draw energy from everybody being out of here and the lights off and just me at a piano. Oh, like, that sounds like, yeah, I could do that for hours. This, God's given me the, the gift, the ability, the courage to do it. But as soon as you all leave, I need to hit the couch. All right? The, like, the last thing I could think of is, like, let's go have dinner with somebody this evening. Like, I don't want to see anybody else the rest of the day, okay? But it is important that you find somebody. I'll ask you this. Do you, let me read you Ephesians 4, 9 through 10. That says, two are better than one. If one falls down, his friend can help him up but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. We need friends whose hearts are in his word and have a hunger to grow together, that we can trust in confidence, that that are committed to our spiritual welfare, that will be honest with us about our own life, that won't have all the answers but are willing to just agonize and pray and search for the Bible, for the truth. I'm telling you, God's teaching me I need other people. And I've seen it play out where I've reluctantly gone and done things and been a part of things. And all of a sudden, like, I leave encouraged. Like, sometimes I go to encourage someone else and we'll have a a session with somebody like they really need encouragement. they've reached out, and I leave like, wow, what just happened? My faith just grew. Like I just care about that person more than I did when we started, and like I care about more people. And I, Like what is happening? And, and so my call to you this morning is, do you have a friend that if and when you fall, you can call? We could all have friends, and I've got friends that aren't Christians. And you can be friends with those people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need one that's in the Word with you that you can depend on. Because, I mean, you're going to get so, you're going to, you, with the, the friend who, who, who doesn't have the faith in God and the Bible, you're going to get about this far down the depth of what you believe and you feel and like they're going to go somewhere else. They're not going to be able to support you the way someone who is anchored in the truth is. And so, as we continue this series on community, can we be this for one another? All right, this—it's not in the New Testament for a hundred times for us to pretend like all we need—you know—all I need is Jesus. That's true for salvation, for spiritual growth. You need each other. Because that is how Jesus reaches us, encourages us. That's how we get encouraged. is by one another. We get stirred up by one another. Now, you may have a great spouse. You need someone outside that circle. Maybe each of you need a friend. God, we thank you for this time as your word just uh gosh no matter how long we study it it continues to grow in our hearts and our understanding and we pray for this thank you for the season that god you're helping me answer my life and as a congregation the life of of, uh, the, the the questions of why Am I so easily distracted? Why am I discouraged? Why am I distraught? Yeah, we we, we turn to you and we trust you. And you give us resurrection power inside of us to conquer, you know, all evil that can come against us. But God, we also, you've given us clear direction that we need one another. This walk is not to be as an individual and we cannot do it alone. God, show us who and how we love because this is how we reach the community. If we want to grow, the, the, if we want to reach people for you, we want, to, we want to change lost people, then we've got to grow ourselves. We've got to get our own house in order and live the way you've called us to. And God, so give us the strength as we grow and understand this. Bring us friends. Bring us the right people. Show us who to pour into, and we know they'll pour into us. Uh, and, and that you pour, it's your Holy Spirit doing all of this. And God, there may be somebody here this morning that says, you know what, I don't even know what that feels like. I don't have a family. I don't have anybody. You know, I'm not a part of a church. And we got to remember the first step to being part of having communion, and fellowship with one another is a, is a connection and fellowship with you. God, that when we give our hearts to you, we become children of God. That Jesus was the firstborn, we become brothers and sisters. We can walk right into your presence with confidence, with a sincere heart, with full assurance. And God, talk to you like you are our Father. God, thank you for these people, the lives you've saved. God, draw the lost to you. God, encourage your children, your church today. And let us stir up one another to love and good works. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.